Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. Cineworld, again, it's projection. It's projected the wrong film. So we, we went in to see Thor Ragnarok, the latest of the Marvel things. And uh, and it started off, and there was a lot of wind we saw in 4DX. Yes. Seats moving, wind blowing in our faces. It was beautiful. And a uh, little, little girl does a voiceover going, Oh, hello, I'm a little girl doing a... Introduction to a movie. The world is rubbish. The weather is terrible. And we've managed to put bombs in space that make the weather good. And I'm going, this is a lot like Geostorm. Yes. And I was telling you that. And I think when I said that to you... You were telling me that. I was, and I was I, going, shh. I, I, <laughs> I, I, said, I said, this is Geostorm. And, and I think you thought that I was going, this is a lot like Geostorm. Yes, I thought you were. But no, it genuinely was Geostorm. Yeah. So, and having seen the first three minutes of Geostorm, I really want to see Geostorm. Yes, I kind of did as well, actually. Um, um, but then the, they but stopped. But not the film. in that for the. Yeah, no, I think it has to be seen in that way. Well, I'm it's not. It's going to be I, too stupid. I'm, I'm never seeing a film like that again. I'll tell you. Bugger. Hello. Oh no no no! They're scammers. Like we're calling from my solicitors. <laughs> <laughs> about your accident <laughs> to a man who doesn't drive. Mm-hmm. But it's it. outrageous that they can even do that, actually. Anyway, let's go back to our film. <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, so we saw it in, in, in 4DX, and like I said, I, 4DX... I'm it, never doing 4DX again. Make shit films good. Well, you're never dragging me to one to another I think one. Geostorm has to be seen in that form. Well, you can see it in that form, and, uh, you know, I don't care. I'm never, go- I'm never well, doing I watched it what, what was wrong with it? Well, I just feel that I'm not watching films properly. I don't like being shaken around so that your your stomach is waddling from side to side to side. You know, uh, I don't like having those smells wafted up my nose. You know, it kind of... I think it's all stuff that really detracts from the film that you're watching. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, well... But that's why of, you have to watch it on Geostorm. Well, that's what you said about Thor. And actually, I felt it spoiled my enjoyment of the film. Really? Yeah, I didn't enjoy it much, really. And I thought maybe I would have. I disagree. I mean, I I think it's not a very good film. Well, I think it's not... Well, my question is, how the hell do we even know now that we've been jostled around? Because I was still watching it with my eyes and ears. Well, and, you know, uh, and I knew my 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 eyes weren't working half the time because I was being jostled around that bloody seat. No, you know, kind of, yeah, I kind of. I thought well, it was, fine. I won't talk you into it again. But you know, I was, it's it's your loss because well, 40x is the future, man. Anyway, to be fair, you know, there were some kids sitting next to us. They loved the whole thing. Yeah, they, they loved being time. jostled around. You know, and kind of, and they loved what they were seeing and what they were hearing, and you know, and everything. So all the lights and the colors, all the lights and the colors, they stimulated they, those children. They loved like it. nothing. You know, so and there were kind of people laughing actually. You know, through throughout the cinema. So I just think it, it might be one of those films that just somehow doesn't connect with whatever my own sensibility is. Here's a, here's a question for you: What was the plot? Well, the plot is in a way straightforward. So Thor uh, beats this great threat to Asgard, you know, whose mask has this secret power of destruction. Uh, and 
in doing so, kind of brings back his sister, you know, who's the queen of the dead. And there's a prophecy called Ragnarok that means that, you know, Hela will be destroyed and As- and will destroy Asgard with her. And the rest of the film is about, you know, making seeing how the prophecy comes true. Um, hold on. Hela, the sister of Thor, did not know what he had, and the goddess of death will be released once he dies. So, so the sister coming back has nothing to do with the big demon guy. The big demon guy was just your opening fight. Hela, uh, Hela, which is the sister coming back, is all about Odin dying, apparently. Goddess of death is released. Oh, right. Okay, it's well, fucking whatever. stupid. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I spent I spent a good, I mean this is a two, two hour ten minute long film, which is too long obviously. Yes, and it, it felt, felt long. It. Mind you, we did also spend f- about fifteen twenty minutes <laughs> waiting for it to actually start because yes. we saw a whole other film before. Yes, um, uh, and I spent a good two thirds of the film really having a shit time and thinking this is fucking boring and it's just treading water and wasting time. And it 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 does it does the Marvel sense of humour thing of the kind of oh it's a little bit awkward but isn't it funny because this is about superheroes and you shouldn't really have silly comedy you know it does that thing of like kind of slight awkwardness which I thought was gonna when when Hella shows up the sister Mm. played by Kate Blanchett brilliantly yes she's a ray of evil sunshine yes in the whole thing yes she's fantastic Um, and the way she moves and stands there although to be fair if I'd seen Maleficent I probably would have gone oh this is a lot like that well, I don't know. There's a I mean, similar kind of... I loved her character. She energised um, the film every time she came in. But but she does... Even she has a few of those awkward lines. Like, she she, introduced, she takes over Asgard uh, while, the, while the lads are away and Odin's dead and kind of introduces herself to the, 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 the newly problem. enslaved population in this terrible speech. And I'm here to... Mm. And they don't know who she is. And, um, and one of their, you know, representatives says, Who are you? And she says, didn't you get all of that? I'm bloody... And it's like, it's the, it's this sort of trying to undercut a very lofty thing with, uh, you know, kind of pathos. Mm. They always try and do it. And it's this... It, it's not that it can't be funny, but they really... It, it's like they paint over everything with this, with this irony that is very uh, blunt... Well, I don't know. I thought actually that the humor in this film was was rather different. Well, this is the, and was more modest. This is what I was going to get onto because um, I because this film is directed by Taika Waititi, mm. who made Hunt for the Wilder People, a New Zealand uh, director. Hunt for the Wilder People was an amazing, mm. um, sort of charming, weird little movie, mm. and it's New Zealand's biggest movie ever, basically, mm. um, about this this little kid who ran away and. Uh, She's trying to be independent and teams up with Sam Neill, who doesn't like him and so on. It's a beautiful, charming little thing. And you can see these two senses of humour fighting against each other in this mm. film. They're combining in really awkward ways. Like, you do have this kind of the Marvel thing of going, let's try and just shove humour in in this awkward way that they do, this blunt way. But then you do have this kind of cute... Mm. Uh, other side to it. More we, modest, we, self-effacing. And actually also more musical, because... It's almost like you hear that New Zealand accent, right? You know, there were there were yeah. several of the actors. A couple of the, well, Taika Waititi plays uh, the the sort of rock. Monster. Ah, right. Okay, I believe you that's know. him. So uh, uh, that was, and you know, so it has those nice touches. And actually, I do also think that Chris Hemsworth is at his most appealing. 
right? That kind of, it is true that making him seem, making him funny humanizes him. I think this is, you know, so in a way he's been a big star for a long time, but I feel this is like the first film in which like audiences really take to him, that audiences really like him. Yeah, that kind of, uh, um, he, he becomes much more approachable and knowable through his sense of humor. I thought that was very good. Mm. But it doesn't make up for the rest of the film for me. And I hated so many things about it, really. I hate fucking Stanley showing up and making a cameo in these. <laughs> you know, I think the joke has worn thin and, you know, his ugly old mug is not necessary. You know, the films don't need it. Right. It might be a contract requirement, but actually the films don't need it and it's distracting and I hate it. Uh, so, you know, that's the first thing. The other thing is the gross sentimentality that some moments have, you know, like kind of at the end uh, where uh, uh, Thor and Loki, Loki you know, kind of, ah, okay, it's just... I, like, I did hear you recall that bit, although I thought it was actually, to, to be fair, it, it that actually... You're didn't linger mush. it was just fine no no I, I wasn't emotional i wasn't emotionally affected by it basically what happens is you know thor and loki obviously historically have not got on uh, and loki's always fucking stuff up yeah for thor who's just trying to you know chill out and be cool and be the king well uh-huh. not be the king but just sort of maintain have power over yeah it. maintain Take a level of, sort of cool. <laughs> um and, and ultimately they have to he without loki's help he won't be able to um to save asgard from from their sister Although it's not really clear that he can't. I mean, to be fair, he's got lightning shooting out of his face and he's got the Hulk. Actually, Loki doesn't seem to do very much. Um, well, you know, um, like I, I really like... But they, they, kind of, they kind of reconnect and he says, thank you for, for stopping being evil for once and helping out. Um, and he... Uh, the, I could hug you or something. Yeah, but it, but it wasn't lingered on. It was fine, like I thought. Before. Well... I mean, it well, wasn't like the end of Lord of the Rings, was it, where it takes half an hour to say goodbye? Well, it, it you know... Got it done in, in a I short think it got it done without that. Um, but he had know. to say thank you to him, didn't he? I mean, you have, to go, you have to go cheers for helping stop the end of the world. Well, actually, it would have been more fun had there been a final betrayal or another betrayal Well, there or is. there's going to be you one, know, isn't there? Because he's um, picked up that stupid cube. Whatever it is. Well, exactly, right? So I just, I just, uh, uh, I didn't like it. And I right, don't think it right. fits with the tenor of the film. And actually, it's part of, you know, the problem with the film that there are these inconsistencies in a way, right? That like, or as you said, there's a clash of, of tonalities at work, really, and types of humor at work. Um, and that's very detectable. So I didn't like that. I didn't like Tom Wilkinson. I thought, you know... Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. You know, I'm a fan... But he's completely listless and unimaginative, actually. Like, uh, you know, it's it's a performance that's phoned in. Um, you just and, described Marvel. <laughs> well, <laughs> listless no. and unimaginative. Well, no, no, I don't agree. I like I like Marvel, but mm. um, you know. I, I think I think what this film proves to me, when when you when you go, you've, the guy who did Hunt for the Wilder People is going to do uh, going to do a big budget Marvel movie. It's quite exciting, I suppose. And this film proves that Hollywood can homogenise anything. Well, that's not true. I don't agree with you. Because actually, you know, it didn't homogenise this. You still see the traces. Traces. Well, you can tell that this film was made by that director. Up to a point. It feels like anything that got through was a mistake or they weren't noticed. All the best bits were, right? Yes. So, of course, any big budget film, there has to be a corporate interest. There's a lot of money riding in it. And that's what, you know, filmmakers expect. And I don't think it's particular to Marvel. I just think it I think this, I think this is the first Marvel anything. film I can think of that I think oh that was directed by a certain person. Mm. 
this is the first one I can think of that has some kind of identity behind the way it was made. Mm. And, it, and, and, and like you say, it only comes through in traces, really. It's product. It's not, you know, it's, it's, you can have two hours of a film with some graphics, please. Certainly, sir. Well, um, I don't know, because I can't remember, really. Um, I like Doctor Strange very, very much. Yeah, I like that very much. Uh, So I I don't remember who directed it. Exactly. Um, Well, no, why exactly? Hey? Why exactly? Why what? Why? Just because I, you know, I can't remember many things. Not remembering uh, um, Doctor Strange. Have you even heard of Scott Derrickson? I haven't, but you see, now it's a name I'll remember. I think it's, you know, if you repeat it often enough. Hellraiser Inferno, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, The Day the Earth Does Steel Remake, Sinister, Deliver Us from Evil. So, just a load of stuff. Well, you know, it's... That's the point, that's what these films are. They're not... I mean, actually, getting a kind of name director, and it's not to say that Taika Waititi's a name director, because he's, you know, he's not a huge name, you know, but, mm. um, but he's kind of, he's memorable enough that we remember his previous film. Anyway, that's really not the project of these films. Like, if you can identify things behind them, it's like they failed. <laughs> Their job know. is to beat it out. I, I think there's two things here, you know. So I think you're trying to, like, uh, damn all of Marvel, and I don't want to participate in that, really. <laughs> you know, besides, we have enough to do when talking about how this particular film fails without kind of extrapolating onto the whole, you know, Marvel universe. Because, you know, actually, I, I think there are many worse films than this. Oh yeah, right, so, well it grew on me a lot. You know, sorry, this, this grew on me a lot. This is what I was going to get to. It grew, oh, right, after, okay. after those first two thirds of the film, where I thought this is very inconsistent, not not devoid of excitement, not devoid of laughter, and actually looked quite pretty. I think I like the way the, the way a lot of Marvel films look is everything is in deep focus all the time. It's like they have no they have no time for kind of artistic mm. sort of expression through the visuals. But in this, actually. It has shallow focus. It tries to direct your eye. It's you know, the, 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 there's there's something to the way it looks, and it's and it's always been beautifully well produced, like they all do. No, well, all I, I I didn't like a lot of things about it actually, but, and, um, I, and I wasn't particularly crazy about the way that it looked. And I think one of the things that was worse than in all the others is the slackness of some of the performances. Yeah, you know, like I mean, it's just unbelievable to see people who are stars in their own right, really. Uh, um, what's his name? Wilkinson Hiddleston. Uh, Hiddleston. Sorry. <laughs> Tom Wilkinson playing Loki have, would be a whole thing. So Tom Hiddleston. Uh, also, who played the Guardian of Asgard, who rescues all the people? Idris Elba. Yeah, Idris Elba. Has he been in another film? Because this, uh, he's exactly like his character in the Dark Tower to yes. the point where I thought. For a minute, that the Dark Tower was part of the Marvel universe, and and like in the Dark Tower, he's a bit of a blank, actually. Yeah. You know, which is which is troublesome. I mean, you know, the only performances that I truly loved are um, who plays Odin? Um, Hopkins. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins, who when at the very beginning of the film, when he's being impersonated by Loki, he does all these wonderful things. It's a very kind of camp and theatrical performance. So actually, Apparently Idris Elba's been in loads of the loads of the Marvel movies. This is yeah. the first one I remember him in. Well, <laughs> it's a problem. Anyway, to get back to Hopkins, yeah. What's interesting about Hopkins is that Hopkins is giving the performance of Loki that Hiddleston used to give and can't be bothered to give now, <laughs> right? So I thought that was you know it, it basically without Hopkins and Kate Blanchett. 
the, the, the performances are nothing. No, I, I, Jeff Goldblum I liked. Oh, Jeff Goldblum. He's, he's sort of slight, and he's not. His character's not that important. No, no, and, I love. And him. that's part of the whole section of the film where it's just treading water and wasting time. But he is, you know, kind of camp and silly, and, and um, I mean, to be fair, the one thing you think about his character is how did you end up in charge of a whole society? Right. He was <laughs> brilliant. He was brilliant, actually. So, 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 yes, I would add him to to the two others. Um, and I do like Chris Hemsworth very much in this, actually. It's, uh, it's mm. the film that he seemed most alive in of all the Thor films, uh, though, though he has been good in other things. I love him in that... Um, Rush. In Rush, yeah. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think, knew you were going to say Rush. It's a great yeah, film. It is a great film, and he was great in it, actually. And I think this is his most relaxed... It's obviously not a complex... And he's no. not playing anything complex in it. Very simple motivations. But actually, his timing is very good, you yeah. know. And he does, you know, he does make humor out of things, you know. He was I, quite good in Ghostbusters as well. As yes. that comics, uh, yes. comic stupid bloke. And, yes, yeah. he was. Um, so, so, so that was kind of like a pleasure to see. But I must say, Anthony Hopkins is weird to me because I, you know, do you know Thomas Muller, the footballer, no. that played for Bayern Munich? He's weird, Thomas Muller, because. He's not a striker, but he scores goals. He's not a midfielder, but he makes the moves happen. He, he kind of, what does he do? Like, every time I watch him, I'm going, what do you do? He kind of, he moves around mm. and he does this, that and the other, but he doesn't really do anything, but he always does something. And I kind of feel the same way about Anthony Hopkins and acting. It's like he, he always kind of plays himself to a degree, but he's always doing something that is interesting or captivating, even when it looks like he's kind of just picking up a paycheck and just like I'm showing up for a day of work and going like he did in Noah for instance mm. he's still got a certain something I can't I work out what great. he's great you know I think he I think he's a truly great actor but in my definition also he's not a star there's always something distant about him he never he never draws me in yeah like I never identify and I never quite love you know, you just kind of admire. He makes everything feel alive. Yeah, he does, you know, tremendously he's, he's interesting. twinkly. Yeah, well, sometimes he's twinkly, <laughs> you know, but he always does something tremendously interesting and it's always a pleasure to watch him. He always right? feels quite technical, I think. Yes. He always I, feels like when he, when he takes a pause or when he moves his eyes, it's like everything has been calculated behind it. Yes. Which is not something I love. No. But it's something I kind of respect. Like you can see him working. I just think he's a I just think he's a tremendous actor. Yeah. You know, but he doesn't have the star's gift of making you empathize with whatever it is that they're doing. You know, there's always a slight remove, I think. Yeah. Um, well, that's fine. I mean, you know. well, I, I mean, mind, I mean, I mean my god, you know. I mean, uh, could was, could Brad Pitt have played Hannibal Lecter? He was one of the best things in this film, so, you know, kind of thank heaven for you know, for him, really, because uh, the rest of it would have been quite deadly without some of these key people. Yeah. Um, That's what it comes so, down to. Imagine Hannibal Lecter with a winning smile. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Cumberbatch thing... shows up in the most perfunctory 10 minutes of just waste of time. Cumberbatch, as, as Doctor Strange, shows up purely because he's one of the Marvel guys. Yes. The whole point is he helps... Uh, Thor locate Odin. Yes, and you can do that in a line of dialogue if you I want. Know. Like it's Actually, just wasted ten minutes. I find the whole thing incredibly tiresome. I find all these cameos incredibly tiresome. 
because actually you get the feeling that they're contractual. They're not organic to any of the story that they're telling, mm. right? You know, so, so you have to have Hulk in and you have to have Doctor Strange in and Stanley has to appear and you think, oh, just fuck off. It's tough to tell this sometimes. Like some, because um, when, when they did uh, Deadpool and they had like, you know, the, the shittest ones they could get and they made a joke out of it in Deadpool because mm. it was all about breaking the fourth wall and everything saying you know oh, these are the only Avengers we could afford or whatever it is um, like how much of it is sort of down to the independent film and what they can get or how much of it is the kind of overarching Marvel thing of you know Marvel saying okay now you will appear in this film and you will appear in this film and well, my, we will orchestrate the whole thing no no my understanding is that they have contracts about it so you know and actually they're very lengthy contracts they're like 10 year contracts or something mm. you know and there's uh, you know there's um, they specify uh in some of the contracts at least you know how many will be like captain america films or whatever yeah, yeah. and how often captain america will appear in other films like that is, that is you know part of the contracts because especially if you're a big star like chris evans you want to guarantee that actually you will be the center of x amount of films so um, yeah no sure but I, I mean just like the other things like 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 for instance uh dr strange showing up or, or whatever like dr strange absolutely doesn't need to be in this film no so you know how much is how much of that is saying kind of we can fit him in or how much of that is saying that we've been told we have to fit him in if you're a mental fan i can see how it's exciting to go like the, the universe feels really holistic like everyone anyone can kind of show up at any point really yeah that is quite exciting in a way well, I mean, as a, as a comic book reader, as a teenager, you know, I always loved those uh, cross appearances, actually. Mm. Um, but I think in the comic book, when they appeared, you know, they were organic. There was always a reason why Doctor Strange came in. Mm. You know, he didn't just come in because they had a, a, a contract with the actor or, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought, and even the use of Thor, actually. But know, I do uh, sorry, even the use of the Hulk. Oh, yeah. I don't even think the Hulk was necessary. You know, and I would have appreciated kind of, you know, the story being told with some other antagonist that wasn't the Hulk or, you know, you could have developed another relationship, developed a whole other character there, right? As soon well, as you bring that. in the Hulk, you're already constricted with, you know, what the Hulk is and can do. So that becomes another limitation on what kind of a relationship can develop. Well, the problem, you know. the problem with the use of the Hulk in this is that he should reflect on or kind of illuminate um, thought. Thor's character in some way and and what the Hulk is is Hulk represents anger basically and so you kind of you go well I want then there to be some kind of character development in Thor whereby the Hulk's angry nature rubs off on him or reflects on him and such you know you know what I mean like it doesn't it it doesn't do that well it does because you know what it means is that because Hulk is being so angry all of the time and actually Thor can't be he's much calmer and zen you know, than he's been in any of the other films. And I don't think that's a good thing to have the God of Thunder, you know, be new agey. But the point is, when, when, when the God of Thunder, you know, ends up, uh, you know, f- f- uh, refining his power in a way, because he, he, so he thinks that, the, uh, the that his hammer of, yeah. is, all, is his source of power, and his yeah. hammer is destroyed early on mm. by uh, Kate Blanchett's character, and then in a kind Hella. of... Hella. yeah. And then in a kind of deathbed sort of vision... Uh, Odin speaks to him and says, "The hammer was just to focus your power. You're not mm. the god of hammers. You're the god of thunder." Yes. So yeah, so he like he, he realizes, "Oh no, I, I've always had this power and so on." Um, but it, but the point is, which is the a Hulk, bit of a cliche, the power of, oh, yeah, of you, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, the point is, the Hulk has no like reflection on that. Like if if you if the film is 
the film is building this relationship between Thor and the Hulk or, 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 or developing it. Um, you should be doing it for a purpose. Mm. And the fact that it really doesn't have any bearing on anything in the end makes it feel perfunctory. Mm. It's, you know, it, as you say, it could be any, it doesn't have to be Hulk, it could have been anyone who he teams up with. Yes. You know, one of the things that I really loved about the show is that, the show, the film, is that it shows Chris Hemsworth to advantage and there's a bit of a delight to, to be had from watching him hold his own, you know, against like Kate Blanchett, who was like, you know, who went oh, to she's drama on another school. level. <laughs> well, but he holds his own. And Anthony Hopkins, you know, who got all his training on the stage and so on. You know, and Tom Hiddleston, who's done Shakespeare. And actually, I think he does hold the center of the film. He is oh, yeah. the star of the film. Yeah. You know, um, it's oh, true. Kate sure. Blanchett is always on another level. She even looks fantastic. I love the look of I her. I love the look of her. I think uh, she looks fucking astonishing. Um, she's like, she's like uh, sexy Anne Hathaway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just fucking hate Anne Hathaway. I, I, I just, she's like Catwoman with antlers. Mm. But good. Mm. <laughs> um, anyway. She's like unctuous and oily and grimy and even despite the fact that she had to do some of that crap comedy that Marvel likes to do mm. she I mean what I hoped from her character was that it would all be just really serious down the line proclamations about how I'm going to take you over and stuff it's like her character was diminished by having to do those jokes you know what I feel like is the is one of the problems with the film you know is that when when you were reading the comic books you felt that you were always connected to the world, that the comic books were asking questions about the world and kind As of... As in the real world, the world yeah, that we live in. Yeah, the, 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 you know, your world, mm. right? Kind of you were reading them because actually it gave you a fantasy and an understanding and it explored areas, you know, that maybe you didn't understand or comprehend or whatever, but that actually connected to the world you live in. I think this film, if you're trying to say, like, what is this film uh, if, if, about in relation is to... Is there anything to learn from it? Well, no. not just, yeah, or inside, about people or humanity or the planet or any, any fucking thing I'd be no. grateful for. It's a pure kind of um, exercise in escapism at best. Yeah, yeah. but but not even, a, yeah, like, you know. The it's just, it's a two-hour two distraction. Probably yeah. Is. You come um, out of it going, nothing has changed in my life. It's, it just feels so insubstantial and unsatisfactory. And actually, I know th- I know from some people that you know they're seeing like uh, you know Chris Hemsworth as a revelation, and you know they're 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 saying this is the best Thor film yet, which actually a I don't think it is, and kind of b I just thought well it's it's not enough like maybe I'm just getting tired out of all of these Marvel films. It now. would be nice if you were because the rest of us have been there for a while. Well, <laughs> catching up. Well, but I'm not. Like, I loved Wonder <laughs> Woman. I loved uh, uh, um, Doctor Strange. So, but this one kind of is, is one that did make me, you know, feel like... Uh, Tired. You better come up with new ideas. You know? mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like having a disco ball on a plane is not enough. And Exactly, you know. It's uh, fine, but it's not enough. No. But, and, but to be fair, like, the, this film does have those few sparks of creativity with those, with that... That other, that, that 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 more nuanced, more idiosyncratic sense of humor, kind of creeping in from time to time. Yes, like the the, the rock, the rock character that uh, that Witsi plays is fantastic. He's yes. lovely. He's, he's cute and he's he's oddball, 
And uh, and I mean, it helps having a Kiwi accent because it's just silly. Yes, it's lovely. <laughs> but isn't it, not, not, isn't not it, if we have any New Zealand uh, listeners? Isn't it sad that the one thing that we truly enjoyed, you know, is this truly minor, you know, character? Yeah. I mean, you know, call him secondary. It's even like oh, he's yeah. tertiary. Yes, you yeah. know, so kind of, you know, that was one of the great delights of the film, one of the great unexpected delights. Because actually, when Kate Blanchett appears, you know what she's going to bring, actually. So she's not a surprise. No. You know, she fulfills what you ex- your expectations, but it's not coming out of uh, left field. Well, actually, that character of The Rock does, right? Yeah. But that's a really minor thing. So, you know, we're really kind of looking at this film and kind of grasping for pleasures, really. I don't think there's a bad action scene. Well, I don't think there's a good one. I don't think there's an exceptional one, but the action is pretty good. I didn't think it was very good. Well, you know, the bit where they're they're flying, you know, and they jump from, from plane to plane. From plane to plane. That's good. I thought, what an exciting idea. And how, you know, how unexceptional it seems. Yeah, you know, I thought the idea was fun. It, it didn't give me a rush of excitement watching sure. it. Yeah. And actually, I thought the concept, you know, should have had the payoff of that rush. Because I think it's a, you know... It, it's a great idea, really, mm. you know, to do it that way with those characters. And the way that it's filmed, it doesn't thrill me, yeah? No, oh, fair enough. You say filmed. The way it's been doodled in, in okay. some bloke's head. The yeah, way that yeah, it's no, been yeah. imagined in a computer. Rendered in a computer. Overwhelmingly um, sort of... CGI, yeah. In that, in that, um, just, in that way that they all are now. So what I was saying to you, because we saw the trailer for the new Star Wars beforehand, mm. and I was saying, they really should have stopped making these because... Back when they were making them in the seventies, no one had seen this before. This was mm. incredibly unique, to, mm. to, and and even now, looking at those old Star Wars films, I think they still look exceptional. I don't mean like exceptionally good; like you can tell that they're, they're products of their time. Mm. But they have this unique design to them that that is really striking still. And it's very uniquely Star Wars. And then even when they made the new. Uh, the new lot in the uh, 2000s when they made The Phantom Menace and the other two, they still looked different to what, mm. what was out at the time. And, I mean, the fucking Phantom Menace looked like it was this unbelievably produced mm. sort of uh, period drama fantasy. It was incredible mm. at the time. And now the new ones are coming out and they just look like everything because everything now has great CGI if you want it. Yes. And they all just look the same. And the only way you can tell it's Star Wars is there's a lightsaber. I do, I do think that there is something about making things to CGI, you know, creating these worlds that are so animated that actually that you feel there's nothing at stake for the live-action characters, you know? Yeah. So, kind of, you jump into another spaceship. Well, who cares? You know, it's really just kind of some code, <laughs> right? Like, you don't get the thrill of a person doing some physical movement, yeah, like you it, know, it, of it's daring not... and bravery. Well, I don't think it's so much the, the the CG itself that like doesn't feel real, or whatever. But it's just it um, it films now put you in a mode where the fact that anything can happen. I think this is what you're saying. Right? Yes. It's not so much that it doesn't look real or anything like that, but the fact that anything can happen means that you don't really care. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like in this film, actually, I, I, it really feels a lot of time like it's making it up on the fly. Yeah. You go, oh, okay, well now he has to fight him. Oh, now he can get free. Oh, now we can break through a window. It's like. I mean, really, this is nothing to do with the CG. This is to do with the plot. But mm. it, it, the world it constructs is one in which nothing is really at stake. Yes, and actually, if that's the case, then they really need to work on complex characterization more, like like cartoons do. Yeah, like animated films do. That's where your sense of emotional involvement and 
you know, comes in, mm. right? Because the characters are complex enough, you know, to allow for decisions to be made, for you to be, as a viewer, to be aware of what's at stake in those decisions, what price might be paid if things go wrong, right? Kind of, you know, that kind of complex uh, psychology, which actually, in other kinds of action films, you don't need because, you know, the physical action itself would convey that. You know, when it's too CGI, you know, the physical action in that particular world no longer has those things at stake. So either, you know, you, you make the characters, you, you, you convey the, that sense of danger and daring and risk and stakes through the character, or it's not there at all. Mm. And in this film, I don't think it's there at all. I think also something else is that the, these films feel, despite the fact they are so uh, expensively produced and have these incredibly high production values, um, I think you could... You, you could write down what happens. Like, there's nothing that's really uniquely cinematic about anything that happens in them. They feel cheap. No, well, not cheap, but kind of... Um, I don't even want to say lazy, because obviously there's a huge amount of work that goes into them. But I feel like reading the plot synopsis of mm. this film uh, would leave me with roughly the same experience as watching it did. Like, apart from those few moments that we both enjoyed, the, you know, the, those, those jokes, those areas of performance and things like that... Um, Ultimately, it's not expressing itself cinematically. It's just it's taking a plot from a page mm. and throwing it onto a screen. In mm, in that's a, not- a bit harsh. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm. Uh, it is rendered cinematically. It is kind. You know, they they have found a way to kind of put it on screen. What I meant by cheap is that you know, in the really great films, they're always textured. You know, and part of the reason why they're always textured is you've had somebody kind of trying to figure out how to convey layers of meaning and, you know, to, to, to kind of evoke this feeling in the viewer. And they've been working on it for a really long time and you feel that it's layered in structure and there's subtext and all. Yeah, mm. with this, nothing. It's just, it's just on one It's level. like a first draft. Yeah, you know, so it, it lacks those layers. So it feels cheap. You know, yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. because it looks cheap or whatever. It's just it feels cheap. It, it feels, feels undercooked. Yeah, uh, underdone. What did you think about the three D in this? Um, I'm beginning to like the three D in recent films. Actually, there were moments that I thought were very good. One, you know, when things explode or something, and you're watching it explode, and all of a sudden, like you see the ship coming out of almost like what was what was yeah, left field or something. On the right hand side of the screen yeah. is closer to you. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it catches you by surprise and it's almost like your your focus changes, right? And so you 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 take in, you know, the world, the three dimensional world. So um it's kind of yeah, I think in in lately it's um it's growing on me. I had a weird relationship with three D in this because I obviously I'm I like three D as you know and I'm always interested in it. Um, and in this, well, at one point I had to take my, my glasses off because my eyes were starting to hurt. Ah. So, and I don't know if that was, if that was down to sitting too close to the screen, although you'd think no, because these films, you know, I mean, we weren't that close to the screen. It was just, no, no, we weren't. And you it didn't. It's just to, that you, fucking 4X3D, um, <laughs> It's um, just a shit way of seeing films. So, so, <laughs> so, I, so I think there was something in the, in the, in the 3D uh-huh. design or production that uh, had, had a, a, a physically straining effect on me, at least for uh, at points. Um, and there was something that I, that I didn't like at first that grew on me, which is 3D has become very uh, 
people have started to learn how to do it basically mm. and it, and, it, and so it, it looks good and especially in these big budget films where it's all it's in there from the start 3D is just kind of dialed in and they know what they're doing and and it looks like every other film mm. they, they, there's a it's become quite sort of professional they just know what they're doing um and in this uh things I don't know if you felt the same way characters particularly in kind of long shots um felt small oh. felt like physically small like it's almost like kind of like 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 toys, mm. um, and which is to do with the distance between the the eyes, essentially the kind of the virtual eyes and the way the cameras are, are, are placed can make things feel artificially larger or smaller. Mm. And normally they're done in such a way that you don't really notice. But mm. in this, I felt like you didn't. I don't think, I don't think it was accidental. It felt like there, like it might have been a deliberate decision, um, based on the fact that it's never been like that before, and these films do it all the time, you know. Um, which at first I didn't like because it felt odd. But then on the other hand, it kind of... The fact that characters are so small in these long shots and really, really experience this smallness of them means that the scale is um, emphasised. So that not only are they small, but the world in which they live is huge and the threat around them mm. is emphasised, which I quite liked. And then I actually started to feel like it was kind of quite cute. There, oh. was, there was something cute and delicate about the way these characters sit in the frame uh, in 3D space. I, I liked it in the end. Oh, good. But I had to, um, learn, to, lo- had to learn to watch it. I liked it, and um, there was one shot in the film that thrilled me. Which one was that? It was the one where uh, Thor and Loki are walking to the Jeff Goldblum character, uh, and it does what seems almost like a 360-degree oh, turn. It, it, yeah, the, the camera uh, pans down on a, on a reflective floor following yes. them and then ends up upside down. Exactly. I thought that was brilliant. I've done that shot before. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think the, the, reason, the reason that they do that shot is... Because uh, actually, when that shot... I heard you gasp. Oh, did you? Yeah. You go, ooh, ooh, like that. <laughs> um, but I think the reason that, that you do that shot is so that you can show that uh, you've managed to digitally erase the cameras from the floor because otherwise cause they should yeah, have shown. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. why you do that, isn't it? You go, look, look, we can erase the well, cameras. It looked fantastic, actually. And I thought it framed, and it was expressive as well because then it framed the Jeff Goldblum character, right? Like, mm. you know, uh, in between the tiles on the floor or the lines on the floor, yeah, on the mirrored floor. I thought that was great. But what, did it say anything about, oh, the world turning upside down, we're taking our place back? I don't think it did, really. I did like the one where where um, it could have as yeah. Thor sort of reclaims his throne uh, towards the end of the film, uh, and his sister approaches him. That there's the, her long shadow, long shadow of her antlers cast across the floor. Beautiful. Oh, I missed that. Oh, it's great little shot. That I mean, nothing, nothing too original in it, but it just looks lovely. Okay, great. You know, and creepy and threatening. Well, in that, that way. might be. But I really must watch Maleficent because I feel oh, like I love Maleficent. I know, but I, I feel like. I'm going. I bet. I bet she's the same as Angelina Jolie. In that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my God, you know, uh, Angelina Jolie was so great in that. But that's a, a different film. Is there any? Are there any last words you want to add about Thor um, Ragnarok? It, I, I guess I. I really was having an f- absolutely terrible time mm. for most of it. I really was, and it were, and it was despite a few moments where if the film had been better, I would have laughed. Like it did have its moments, it did have mm. its jokes, and it did have its. It tends to humor, and you could tell mm. that there's a there's a certain um, 
voice behind it that's trying to break out. Rather like, I'll tell you what it's like, because in this film, Hulk, it turns out, has been Hulk for two years. And Bruce Banner's been in there going, ah, let me out. Uh. And that is exactly what this is like. This is like Taika Waititi going, ah, let me out. I want to be one of my jokes. <laughs> well, you know? what a great way to end. I think that, that sums it up great. Yeah. <laughs> 